to the unrequested podcast with myself and guest joining me back as we talk sports opinions no one asked for especially guests he's always got opinions Uh. that we don't ask for but yet here he is uh robbie's not able to join us so he's hoping to fill some very small shoes um by missing robbie wow Shots wow. fired. I hope he listens Shots to this. Shots fired. Goodness. I hope he listens on his day off, taking a day of PTO from a podcast. Ridiculous. That's the problem with this generation. That's you know the what's problem ridiculous? that we're seeing. You know, you know what's ridiculous? Hmm. You know what's really ridiculous? Enlighten me. This NFL season. And I don't mean, like, fun Okay. <laughs> it I is mean, this NFL season is exhaustingly bad. You're just a Steelers fan, a little upset about the way things okay. are oh, going. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. Because you're not, e- you're not even getting a high me. draft First pick off, at this point. I'd like to state so. for the record, the Steelers played in the most entertaining game of the weekend. Yeah, I want to state that again for the record. The Steelers played in the most entertaining game in the weekend. Oh, a God. 22-19 rock fight with a not-all-that-great-Baltimore-Ravens team. Tino. Oh I, my God, the NFL sucks this year. <laughs> we are seeing no dominance. Now, the argument can be made and has been made by a number of people that there are a couple of dominant teams out there the Packers, the Cardinals. Did you know what the Cardinals' record is? 10 and 2. Right now, did you know what it is without looking? 10 and 2. I had no idea the Cardinals were 10-2. They are making <laughs> That's... the quietest 10-2 season I have ever seen in my entire life. Which props to them, right? This is where you want to be when it comes when it comes around this time. But no one in the NFL is overlooking the Cardinals at this point. So, as much as we With would what? like to say, like you said, they're having a quietly good a, season. Just it an doesn't unbelievably matter. quiet 10-2 season. By but the way, they may your... have made... The low-key signing of the offseason, too. Oh, agreed. It's There's no question. James Conner, I listen, I will stand James Conner to the end of the world. He is a great human being. He's this great story. He's a fantastic guy. I mean, again, he's, he's from Erie. He went to Pitt. He played for the Steelers. Yep. He is a known quantity in Pittsburgh, and that guy will have the red carpet rolled out for him all the time. But you could tell that there's quality there, too, and that... He had issues with injuries. He's always kind of had a little bit of issue with injury. And that Steelers offensive line was was not very good last season at all. No. And that guy looks like a new running back this year. Just absolutely fantastic. He's a threat out of the backfield. He's a threat catching. He's just looking fantastic. He's everything we started to see when he was with Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh wasn't going to, couldn't afford to pay him, quite honestly. Like, Because Big Ben's contract is lingering around, much like, you know, his holiday fat from 2004. It's just not going away. But we saw it, just glimpses of it. That first season he really took, you know, he took over for for Le'Veon Bell. You saw the potential there. But the organization knew they weren't going to keep him. The Cardinals signed him. I was wondering who was going to sign him. They got a steal of a deal um, because they're just getting massive production. It was like what his deal too is like one year. I think I want to say it's like one year, four million or something ridiculous like that. Oh, was his deal. It is a bargain of a deal because oh, they are getting production out of him, 
And props to Cliff Kingsbury. We talked about it on this show. Did not think he was going to work as an NFL head coach. He couldn't work at Texas Tech as a college coach. And it was because just like this. He could scratch my head higher. A defense. I mean, there were people saying when he came out, this is the best offensive play caller. Full stop. There yeah. was no hedging that. There's no anything that this is the guy is the best offensive play caller. He's the best offensive schemer. I mean, that is why Clay Helton wanted him at USC yeah. when Texas Tech fired him because Texas Tech was like, man, we're giving you a lot of money and you're going eight and five. That's not going to work in the Big 12, especially like a not particularly good Big 12. Yep. Texas Tech was giving him a ton of money and they he couldn't. just wasn't getting anywhere. Yeah. Because the man could not give one hot holy shit about recruiting a defensive player. <laughs> like, that's what killed yeah. him in, in college. Man, you tell, like, wait a second. I don't have to, like, go and sit in these guys' houses and try to sell them on stuff. I can just slide them in a contract, and if they like the number, they come play. And some other guy is going to, like, call this. And I don't have to care that's what they the do key. on defense. That was the key right there. Like, I don't have to touch that defense. I just have to help manage the game a little bit. Other than that, that's someone else's problem. Mm-hmm. I put points on the board. I can call those plays. I can assess the talent. Try it, like you know, it, like you said, slide the contract over and say, "Hey, I they really want you really to play here." Are I mean, the crazy thing about the Cardinals—they're a little bit of a no-name defense. There's not really like a standout stud on their defense, but they are a little bit of a land of like a little bit of a land of like misbegotten toys to an extent. You have Cliff Kingsbury who gets fired from Texas Tech <laughs> like, oh, I'm not good enough for the Red Raiders, but I'm good <laughs> enough for the Arizona Cardinals. You got James Conner, who was a cast off from Pittsburgh. You had Kyler Murray, who even though he had won the Heisman Trophy coming out of college, people were saying he's too small. Mm, yeah, he's too know. short. He doesn't have the accuracy. You're never going to turn him into a professional quarterback. And now this guy is going to be a pro bowler this season. If not an all pro uh, he's and he's going to be dazzling us for years to come. That's what he's showing us as of late. Now I will say, I, I still have a little hesitation on the Cardinals because to your point, a lot of assery this season, which means is it a little bit of fool's gold? Is this well, team that is 10 and two sp- really, should they be eight and four kind of situation? Do you know, and would they have I normally finished around that nine and seven mark? But, we're beginning to see, more importantly, that pendulum swing back. You know, every decade or so, you see the pendulum swing that one conference is dominant over the other, right? And I think we're beginning to see that pendulum swing back the other way now, that the NFC is aggressively bad in some cases. The NFC yes. North is bad. Just oh, yeah. full stop. The NFC North is bad. The NFC East is bad. Full stop. Like the Eagles are putting things together, which is like the most ridiculous thing in the world. Jalen Hurts is doing something pretty good. Good for him. I, you know, go for that or whatever. I'm sorry. I say not even Jalen Hurts anymore because now I remember, remember, you know, I just remembered it's Minshew Mania time. I love Minshew Mania. This is. This is what I wanted to see all season long. Since <laughs> since the point Trevor Lawrence got drafted, I was just wondering who is going to trade for Minshew. Because early on, before the season started, my prediction was that Minshew is actually a good quarterback. He had good numbers with a bad, as we can see, bad Jacksonville team. So I didn't think sure a lot bad. of that. <laughs> they are terrible. 
I didn't think a lot of that fell on him. He was still going out there, putting in an effort, and whoever was going to get him was going to get a steal of a deal. Eagles traded for him. Scratch my head a little bit, but he's a great backup. And when you have Jalen Hurts out there, you didn't quite know, so you wanted to have some assurance, and he's been perfect. Now I'm just scratching my head, though. Who's going to have him next year? Because he should not be a backup quarterback. He needs a starting job and a chance to show what he's actually got outside of a Jacksonville. So this leads you to a really interesting question, right? So if you're saying we should give Gardner Minshew a chance, pick right now five teams that are either A, moving on from a quarterback, (laughs) or B, yeah, moving on and take that however you want to. Like the quarterback just isn't good or the quarterback is retiring or whatever, right? Or that quarterback is going to leave them or what? Take that where you will. So A, the team needs to be moving on from a quarterback. B, they're at least somewhat of a competent team. We don't want to throw them back to Jacksonville again. So let's try to avoid the Jacksonvilles of the league. And then C, somebody who is going to put him in an offensive scheme that's going to allow him to succeed, right? Like this isn't a guy that we should just be putting into any old system, right? He's, no, you can't no. throw him into Andy Reid's system in Kansas City and say, okay, you'll be fine. Go ahead, right? Like, that's a different skill set from what he brings to the table. So give me five teams right now, Tino, who five. you think – five. Give me five teams that kind of meet that criteria. All right. I don't have to put them in order. So we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it over here first. Your Pittsburgh Steelers. I'd be okay with that. Does he not have, like, a little bit of juice? Well, we're playing maybe- ourselves – the Steelers maybe are playing Steelers themselves need? right out of Kenny Pickett, which is just horrifying <laughs> to see. That was my point earlier. Pittsburgh doesn't know how to do this, right? And so they're doing a terrible job. Oh, they have no it. idea how to tank. Like which, we would. Come on, like, we don't want them to. I mean, here's the problem too. the the big The biggest problem is that the Steelers fan base in Pittsburgh, especially, is just a really spoiled fan base. Oh I mean, yeah. Mike Years, Tomlin, decades. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. The yeah. guy's been head coach since 2006 now. And he had Mason like, Rudolph is, for how many games? Oh, uh, Just <laughs> like, like a whole season. Like you, you were honest to God. Tino, I went to a game in 2019, right? It was Steelers-Bills, and it was like <laughs> still assy Josh Allen, right? Who was the Steelers starting quarterback for that game? It was it Mason? It was Devlin Hodges. Oh, the duck. It was yes. Duck Hodges, man. And it's just like... Tomlin was just <laughs> that season to get that team to eight and eight was shocking. But this is a franchise. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that is in my lifetime. Tino, I think they've delivered like four or five really bad seasons yep. in my entire lifetime. And in my dad, like my dad can remember when the Steelers were like a joke in the city. <laughs> like my dad remembers when the pirates were the best team in the city. And he's as not crazy a young man. That sounds. So, and my dad is not a young man. So he can remember when the Steelers were a jerk, but like in my dad's, like most of my dad's adult life, the Steelers have been very, very, very good. Like super bowl champion caliber, or at the very least ultra competitive. Remember it's the winningest team since the NFL AFL yeah. merger. So yeah. it's a very spoiled fan base. That doesn't know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The team and the organization and all these people, like they don't understand or they don't realize or they don't think about it this way that you beating Baltimore felt good at the time. But every time you do something (laughs) like stumble into a win over Baltimore or beat Buffalo or do this stuff, you are pulling yourself further and further away from the draft picks that you need to secure your future. 
Well, I, I still think it's done with a point. So while I'm harping on Pittsburgh, I think it's done with a point because I think they're holding on to more hope that they are able to get a hold of a Wilson or a Rodgers come this next off season. So I think they want to be bad that they still have a, a, a decent pick, but not so bad that it's going to push those guys away if they have an opportunity to pull them in. So, but Pittsburgh would be on my list. If I'm Minshew, you're talking, I have a running back. I have a young receiver. I have a stable organization that I know is going to continue to build and put pieces around me. Yeah. What do you want to pay me? I'll go there. That's one. That's one. Uh, looking okay. at the, uh, looking at the list, there's a few other teams. Uh, one other team in the AFC, specifically the AFC West. I think that Broncos team, one of those other things, a lot of good pieces. This is going to be a high destination if Wilson, if Rodgers decides to leave because I mean, of the pieces and the team they already have in place. And it's just getting Elway out of the way. Do you want to be anywhere near that front office? Just like a, a whole organization that barely knows what it's doing at this point in time. It doesn't know. It doesn't know. But somehow they've put a good team on the field. They just got, you know, fooled into thinking Bridgewater was an answer when they had an opportunity to draft. Oh, you know, Justin Fields, even a Mac Jones, literally any of those big quarterbacks, a competent, competent quarterback, you know, with a future. Um, So, but here we are, but Denver, Denver's another spot. Denver's a good pick. Okay. Kicking it over to the NFC. Now, this is where I think it gets interesting because I, I got three over here just kind of off the top of my head. I think the Panthers uh, are are obviously a team in need of a quarterback. They're going to be paying Darnold for at least one more year, which is fine. You know Cam's out the door after this year. Oh, there's yeah. Not a, there's not you know a whole lot going on in the draft. So, you know what? Do what you just did last year, right? What I propped the Cardinals for doing, which is just going, you know what? That didn't work. I'm concerned about getting it right and not being right. Mm-hmm. Darnold was a bad choice. I'm going to bring in Let's Minshew. See what we got. See you what know? we got. So that's another one. The other two are both coming out of my dumpster fire of a division. Um, it is the Washington football team who I think has a good defense. Again, pieces in place, a good head coach, maybe not the stable organization that you want, but again, I think it would be a good fit for someone like a Minshew who would <laughs> elevate over a high I love I love that particular tap dance around. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Washington's not a good organization. Yeah, maybe no, not. You think? You I'm think? Waiting. I'm waiting for the emails. That's oh I'm my I'm just God. I'm just I'm just waiting for the emails. Then I think the Giants, who I think have a good organization. They have a ton of draft capital coming up. They've got some pieces in place. I just think they need a, a you know, maybe to be revitalized in that front office space. Uh, I think the GM's gone, but I think Joe Judge sticks around for another year. I think I, I mean I Not think a bad you situation. have to give Judge another year. You have to give Judge another year at the very minimum because Daniel Jones wasn't his guy at the oh, end of the day. No. I mean, he didn't pick him, and, and we're seeing now that like Daniel Jones was a David Cutcliffe mirage. Like Cut was known for producing good quarterbacks, and you know he tutored the Mannings, and that was his thing. But my I God, just, did he polish that turd to just an unbelievable degree. The only people that bought it was the New York Giants organization. No one else was on this Daniel Jones train being drafted very highly. Like, it was just like, eh, you bring him in, he's going to need some work, and then you see what you got. He's kind of athletic. He's got somewhat of an arm. There's potential. 
I don't know what the Giants saw. I don't know if like someone was slipping them misinformation or what, but they bought it for whatever unknown reason. The and, other and team I want to even... include in here, I, I, okay, I have to ahead. throw this one in here because I don't think they're, they're going to get rid of their quarterback, but I think they should because I'm always going to continue to harp on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. This is another team. You put a new head coach in there. Maybe you put a little bit of Minshew in there paired with a Dalvin Cook. who Can't stay healthy. That's fine. But you get a throw to Justin Jefferson. You get a throw to Adam Thielen. You know, you've got Tyler Conklin. You've got the other, again, pieces in place um, to to make it work. So I don't think they would, but I would love to see them try a different quarterback because what you see is what you get with Kirk Cousins. Some of the numbers are nice. He seems to, you know, not you lose a, a whole lot you of games. You just game, cannot win a Super Bowl with but it. That you're Period. not winning right it. there. That's the answer. Because at the end of the day, you're if you can't it. win a, if you look at a quarterback and you can objectively say, "I can't win a Super Bowl with this quarterback," hmm. what are you doing? Yep. What yep. are you doing? And that's the answer because that's the truth of the matter with Kirk Cousins. He can put up some decent numbers. He can do this. He can do that. But he can't win you a Super Bowl. So like, what oh. are you doing? You want to just be sort of relevant, you know, in the playoffs, maybe. Great. Kirk Cousins is your guy, but that should never be the goal of the organization. It should be championships, regardless of what season, at what stage of the process of getting there you're in. Kirk Cousins is a gap fill who just seems those gaps just are getting longer and longer and longer. Washington knew this, right? And they just said, eh, let's just take a look one more year, you know, do another franchise to just one more year franchise tag. Oh, we're, we got to let him go at this point. You know what? So, We've seen enough. We're good here. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. So look, look, look around. I mean, the, the other GMs, the other organizations aren't that dumb. When you let someone go, it's not because they're uber talented and they're just like, eh, it's just not our guy. No, it's just not a guy, you know? Yeah. So there you go. I'm, so I'm in love I mean, with it. I just think, like I said, I think that this is a kind of undervalued prospect. He got that tag of the quote-unquote air raid guy coming out of college. And, like, what people are beginning to reevaluate is that entire concept of the quote-unquote air raid guy. Because what they're realizing is that, yeah, these guys have the one thing that you really need in an NFL quarterback, which is accuracy. They need to be able to see the field, throw receivers open, and put the ball on the money. And the problem is your big, dumb, gigantic, stupid armed guys are the ones, a.k.a. your Daniel Joneses, <laughs> are the guys that end up flaming out. Like I said, I was laughing because when you were saying you don't know what he saw, like it's a classic Jamarcus Russell situation, oh, right? God, no. Now you again. almost could get him, right? Because that was totally the kind of player that Al Davis found his way into, <laughs> right? Super strong or super fast or just super fast, freaky strong, athletic, athletic. Whatever. Yeah, it's like he did all these kinds of things, but like they're like, dude, you can't. I mean, my favorite story, Tito. One of my favorite stories about Jamarcus Russell is this coaching staff in Oakland was like, we don't think he's watching game film. We don't actually think he's putting in the work. <laughs> oh, I love it. So they this gave story. him a blank <laughs> tape. They gave him a blank tape and were like, go home, watch your film. And he's like, gotcha. And he sits and he comes back the next day and they're just like, so what'd you think of the breakdown of the film? And he's like, all right, I think I got it. I think I'm ready to go. And they're just like, dude, we gave you a blank tape. You're not watching film right now. Like, at that point, at that, like at that exact moment, you just go, the door's that way. We appreciate you stopping by. They paid him like $40 million. Like, so, but that was the problem. That is the kind Ugh. of quarterback mold though. Like people, that mold of a quarterback 
just the big, huge, strong, athletic guy who can throw it, you know, famously Jamarcus Russell could literally sit on the 50-yard line and throw it through the uprights. That guy just isn't cutting it anymore. They're no. preferring the quarterback that can that can move around the pocket, that can find the open receiver, like I said, that can throw his receivers open, that more importantly isn't afraid to do things like change arm slots. I mean, <laughs> think about it, Tito. I was thinking about this today, right? How offenses evolved. And think about the guys that were the quarterbacks when we were like kids, right? You had your Aikmans, your mm-hmm. Montanas, your Marinos. Now, all of these guys were great quarterbacks, right? But they weren't athletes necessarily. Like, outside of a Steve Young, none of these guys were going to light the world on fire with their legs. None of them really had escapability, right? Yeah. Like, even even Peyton Manning never really had, like, if you collapsed the pocket on Peyton, you were going to get a sack. <laughs> he might move around in the pocket. He might find a way out of it, but he was not going to run away from the sack. No. You were going to get it. In the modern NFL, the reason that a Kyler Murray, who is generously, I think, listed at six foot, <laughs> like the reason he is working in the NFL now is because Kyler Murray can show escapability. He can step up in the pocket, but then when the co- pocket continues to collapse, he gets out of the pocket. I mean, yep. that old school style of quarterback, that statuesque guy just doesn't exist anymore. Joe Think Flacco, about the it is not your time anymore. Joe, the Joe <laughs> Flaccos of the world are done. I mean, think about the quarterbacks who they're looking at now coming out of college. Your top quarterbacks are Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral. These are quarterbacks who have maybe not the biggest, most massive arms in the game, no. but they're accurate. They can put a ball on the spot and they can move. My God, Tino, Kenny Pickett faked a slide and ran for another 30 <laughs> yards in the ACC touchdown. championship game. Right? It was like, oh like, my God. I thought he was going to get era, lit up in that game, but good for him for escaping but that's with his the, But that's the whole point, right? That's what mm-hmm. these quarterbacks can do. They aren't going to be frozen in the pocket. No, and you just need to do and enough. And they can deliver the ball right? where it needs to be. You don't need to do a lot. You just need to do enough. And so what what I like out of quarterbacks, especially coming out of college, is one, to know that they haven't peaked. I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. I don't like Heisman winners heading into the NFL because oftentimes I feel like the Heisman wiener, winners, <laughs> winners have peaked too soon. You want to continue to see that development. Where do you see development through adversity? That's why I think a lot of your big-name quarterbacks – experience that come from smaller schools, smaller programs, programs that weren't, you know, winning like a Bama because they, they've faced adversity. They know how to handle it. They know how to put in some of the work and they're not just trusting their ungodly arm talent to carry them through now the NFL game. So that's why I like Minshew. I think if you're looking at Minshew again, he's got a little bit of swagger. He's not the biggest, he's not the fastest. He's not you know, the strongest armed quarterback. I mean, he's a little bit does. of a nut job. Let's be fair. He's a oh, little crazy. Yes. Exactly. He's absolutely a little crazy. And you know what? If I'm, a, if I'm looking at an organization and we haven't had that in a while, AKA the Broncos, I'd be like, yeah, dude, step into the room. Let's just see. I've got you receivers. I've got you running backs. You've got an okay offensive line. You've got a defense that's willing to stand up. Can you put some points on the board? And if you're hooping and hollering while you're doing it and not doing like the, the Drew Locke thing of like rapping along to the songs that are playing in the stadium like an idiot, then I think we're going to be okay. So, 
Hey, Tino, I wanted to mention this very quickly as a nice little segue uh, oh, no. between a number of things real quick. He's not here, unfortunately. So, Robbie, I hope you listen to this. <laughs> I just want to ask you a question. What was it like to watch the Panthers win a championship in Bank of America Stadium? <laughs> he would not know. He would <laughs> not know. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> Ooh, it hurts, doesn't it? Hurts, doesn't no, it? No, it doesn't. It's so, it is surreal. <laughs> I'll save it until we get to college. But I, I just want to say it is a very surreal experience for me on Saturday. But we'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. It's fine. Yeah, like I told you at the time, you know, savor this moment. This may be as good as it gets for a while. So. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move over to game picks real quick. And then we're going to kick it over to some college football ch- conversations. Um, I, am, I, I am in need of some help with some picks. Dan, you went perfect last week, thanks to the absolutely god-awful weather in Buffalo. Um, Buddy. Mac, Mac, Mac Jones, three, three pass attempts, and they won the game. Let's, let's get <laughs> off the three. Mac Jones Was trains. it like two for three for yeah. 30 yards or something like that? One at the half. One attempt at the listen, half. Listen so. to me, Dino. Army and Navy. The Army-Navy game is this weekend. And by the way, folks listening out there, if you aren't a fan of watching like wow. college football or whatever— Oh yeah, Army, Army Navy is appointment viewing. That's a fantastic yeah. game. Like those two teams are like the last two teams that say we prepare for one team all year long. Yep. Like every team in college football says that, but those are the last two teams that really do it. But both of those teams are flexbone triple option <laughs> attacks. <laughs> they will every season hold the record for number of rushes attempted. Time of possession, number of run plays in a season. They will do all of that kind of stuff, right? It is required they, watching if you're under 25, by the way, because you will look at the look at the football field and go, I don't know what the hell's going on because these things are moving and I've never seen it move like this before. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a, a fantastic. But so in the in last year's Army Navy game, which they actually had to play for the first time in years at West Point, right? It's usually either in Philadelphia or occasionally they move it down to Baltimore. But they played it last year because of COVID in West Point with a fog, like an honest to God, like <laughs> <laughs> the best way I can describe it is it's like the fog from the video game Silent Hill. Like it just <laughs> covered the, you could barely see the game, right? Oh, it, it, reminded, it reminded me of like watching a fo- what a football game would have been like in like 1960. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like just in the middle of <laughs> nowhere, this fog has barely rolled in. Barely any people in the stadium. Barely the anyone fog there. Is rolling off the Hudson. Oh, it was fantastic. Right. It was great. In in that game, I think, I think because again, a real just low scoring game over <laughs> in like two and a half hours. I think both teams combined to throw three passes. Now you mean to tell me in the year of our Lord, 2021, (laughs) an NFL quarterback threw as many passes as army or Navy. What? Yep. Yep. And there's a lot of praise being hooped onto that, onto that little performance. Um, But I will, I will say this, Tino. (laughs) Wow. I will say this. If you are at this point in time in the, in, in the season going into Buffalo and you are not expecting some kind of absolutely insano weather, buddy. You yeah. are living wrong because that is what Buffalo does this time of year, man. That's that that's why snow they got blows Josh off Lake Erie and it's cold. I mean, I was laughing when I saw the 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 stadium 
Like they showed the pictures <laughs> of the stadium for like two hours before the game. Oh, yeah. And they have the, the flags and the flags are just like they look like they're just cut out of cardboard. That's how hard the wind's blowing. Oh, and yeah. They, co- they pan down and they showed the goalposts are swaying. Mm. And at one point in time, they showed the kickers in pregame. Yep. And both kickers are on the side of the stadium where the wind's blowing across. Both of them are kicking <laughs> from the 50 and draining it with like plenty of place to spare. And mm-hmm. then both of them turned around and tried to kick from like their own from the like 25 and both of them missed. Oh, like, I'm like, it was like 10 yards are, short. <laughs> oh, and they blow off to the right and everything. Like if you are going into Buffalo and you don't have a game plan for that, what are you doing? Well, listen, and this works. This works in the regular season. This game's played in the postseason. No, that two for three Mac Jones performance, and even if he decided to throw, it ain't working. It's the exact reason they got Josh Allen because they knew where they played. They had the awareness. Be like, guy can throw it through a brick wall. I don't give a shit. But let's draft him and develop him, and it's worked out because he still made thirty pass attempts in that weather. Remember the kickoff? <laughs> the kickoff went like. The ball went like ten yard or ten rows into the stands. Like, <laughs> like that should have just told you enough right there. Like, you know, oh, maybe it's cleared up. No, no, it hasn't calmed nope. down one nope. little bit. Not even a little bit. So, uh, but that 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 game is what kept you perfect. So, congratulations, you jerk. I do what I can. You are at seventeen and nine on the season. I am at a below pedestrian level at fifteen and seventeen. Oh, good lord. And Robbie. King. Uh, he's got the most wins at 18 and 11 so far. So I've got some ground to make up still. I've been saying that for weeks. It's not happening. Yeah, you so. really do. I ugh, ugh. All right. Well, I do have Robbie's picks here, so we're going to get it started. First game I've got for you is Ravens versus the Browns. Uh, back-to-back games against the Brown or uh, against the Ravens for the Browns uh, coming off a bye week. So Tell me, who do you got? Do you got this bipolar Ravens team? Do you got, you know, the the unbaked Browns? What do you want? I, if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have said <laughs> the Ravens walking away. <laughs> but I think as this season goes on, you are finding out that my God, the thing that is undoing every single one of these AFC North teams is just bad offensive line play. That Ravens offensive line is the worst in the division. And yes, I say that knowing full well that the Steelers are a mess and that the Bengals are still very much a work in progress. That Ravens offensive line, just that dog don't hunt. Like (laughs) this is a bad offensive line. They are not looking good. It's a pity because you've got just one of arguably the best five quarterbacks in the league. Yep. Just running for his life. You know, I mean, on that two-point play against the Steelers, you look at it, and everyone, you when, second guess that I liked the call. I absolutely thought it was the right call. You've got Lamar Jackson. You're yeah. two yards from Pater. It's all the thing in the world. And what happens? The offensive line, it's a screen pass. Basically, it's a slip out, right? The tight end slips off. He goes into the flat. Quarterback fakes the handoff to play action out of the thing. Throws it to the tight end in the flat perfect, everything works out. Except if you don't block anybody in the front. <laughs> Three Steelers are right in the guy's face. He overthrows the tight end. Game over. This is an aggressively bad offensive line that's not getting any better as the season goes on. Oh, and I'm no. seriously looking at the rest of the Ravens' schedule thinking, are Dude. you even going to win the division anymore? Oh, no. I, I would... Th- 
which is a cluster of a division at this point. Heading into the season, it was just like, oh, it's probably going to be the Browns taking it away with the Ravens right there. Now I'm like, I, I don't know. I maybe the Bengals, <laughs> the bipolar Bengals. And, and, I, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, and that's what I'm saying. This whole division, like you have, you really do. You have the bipolar Bengals. You have a talented yet deeply, deeply flawed Ravens team. Yep. You have a Browns team that has strengths but doesn't know how to play to them. And you just kind of have a very middle-of-the-road Steelers team. I mean, is there any better expression of being just middle-of-the-road than currently, or well, previously being 5-5-1? Five, five, and one? Like, <laughs> is there any better expression than that, right? So it's like... I don't know what this division is. I don't know who's any good in this division anymore. I can guarantee you the Super Bowl champion ain't coming from the AFC North this year. So I look at this game and I'm like, it's in Cleveland. It's the second weekend in December. You're going to get weird weather coming off Lake Erie that time of the year. Hell with it, Tino. I'm taking the Browns here. I am too. I am on this Browns train just because I don't. To all the points you just stated, right? That shaky offensive line, the lack of a run game that doesn't include the name Lamar Jackson. Um, those are problems. And at the very least, we know what the Browns can do, which is run the football with multiple backs as long as they take the game out of Baker's hands and just go, just don't lose the game for us. That's what we're asking you to do. I think they can do that here. Coming off a bye week, rested, a little healthy and just help the Ravens understand you need to help Lamar Jackson out on that offensive line front. Ugh. All right. Second game. We got the Falcons versus the Panthers. Nice other division rivalry game. Carolina favorite at minus two and a half, um, which is really about a flat wash. I got to say, hey. I'm, I'm going with the Falcons on this one. I'm going to give it to you nice and early. Not just because of my early season predictions, which got the Falcons as a much better team, but just because they are a slightly better team than the Panthers are at this point. And I don't know who's starting back there for the Panthers. I need Robbie to tell me that if it's Cam, listen, it's Falcons all the way. If it's someone else, well, it's a Falcons maybe. Either way, I'm taking the birds. Hey, uh, Tina, let me ask you a question. You're a man, you're a Texan. You're a man who comes from the Lone Star State. Yep. Uh, what college is in Waco? Baylor. It is Baylor. What college is in Lubbock? Oh, that. what's that dirty school? That, uh, I think it's Texas something. De- tech. Well, Texas sounds, Tech, yeah. So now it's correct. very funny now because Baylor, as we all know, when it's written on uh, you know, their, their logo or television or anything like that, is traditionally shown as what? B U. Yeah. Now, Texas Tech, of course, Tino, is always what? T T U. Now, if we're going to drop the U off for a second, this is going to make a lot of sense because otherwise, when Baylor and Texas Tech are both aggressively bad, which is what they usually are, it works out perfectly that Tino, it is a B U T T game. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, kids. It's a butt bowl. And that's exactly what you put here with the Falcons and the Panthers. How You're dare welcome. you, sir? You're At welcome. At long last, sir, have you no decency? But, this is a terrible game between two very bad teams that why am I even 
why am I even contemplating the Falcons at this point in time? Why are you contemplating the Panthers? Exactly. Why am I looking at either one of these teams as this season sucks? My God, this season is just such garbage. It sucks. It sucks it does, so bad because this doesn't there are mean so you get, a, get out of making a pick. You still have to pick oh, one God of these almighty. teams to win this know. game. In For this rock fight, things, who is winning this game? <laughs> I had to include it. It's a division rival. They're what, close in record. I'll, it's it's going to be I'll trash. zig when you zag, so whatever. I'll take the Falcons here. I just, oh, I, my God, it's terrible. How oh, dare you, sir? You're going to agree it's with me. It's a terrible me. I game. It. I love it. I love it. Awful. All right. All right. We'll move on to a better game. Then we got 49ers versus the Bengals. This one's in Cincinnati. Line is currently Cincinnati minus one over under a 48 and a half. Uh, our pal Robbie here is picking the Niners in this one. And I, I have to go the other way. I'm still a believer in this Bengals team. Whenever I think they haven't pulled it together, they have a bad game, they just turn around and, and show me again they have the potential. And I think this is one of those games that they can show okay. it off. We got a West Coast right, traveling s- east. Come on, I'm gonna what say else do you want? Gross. I'm going to say something that's pretty gross right now, Tino. Uh, don't throw up. This is the Bengals' division to lose. <laughs> I think the the Ravens have absolutely peaked. They're not getting any better as this season goes on. John Harbaugh is out to sea with play calling. I think this is bad news for them. The Steelers are who they are. So are the Browns. I think the Bengals are the only team left with upside. Joe Burrow has gotten better as the year has gone on. That yeah. receiving core is the real deal. That offensive line is much better than we thought about it. And even that defense is at least doing some yeoman's work. I think the Cincinnati Bengals very well may win the AFC North this year. I, I think it's entirely possible. I did not think that heading in again, thought that it was another year away. They need this. They need to get into the playoffs just get that playoff experience, and they're going to be a dangerous team for some time. Oh, so. That's so gross. So, that's are you taking the Bengals in this disgusting. game? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, okay, uh, I won't. I won't make you say it again. Wait, one more time. Uh, taking the Bengals. Bengals. The Cincy yeah. Bengals. <laughs> All right. Well, Robbie is on the outside looking in, probably on that one. He's taking. He's the lonely guy taking the 49ers. So hopefully, Burrow and Jamar Chase can prove us right. All right. Last game. Bills versus Bucks in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay favored minus three, which is about a flat wash. Over-under is at 52 and a half. Our buddy Robbie is taking the Bucks. Brady and the Bucks over uh, Josh Allen and the Bills. But who do this, you got? This screams comeback, or this screams kind of bounce back game, right? Like you were playing in miserable conditions, a nighttime game. Like nothing was in your favor if you were the Bills outside of being at home, right? Yep. You go down to sunny Southern California against a team that is thinking Florida. Florida. What did I say? Oh, sorry. Southern Florida, <laughs> uh, kind of Southish Florida, I suppose. <laughs> and you're saying to yourself, all right, let's show that last week was a fluke. Now, again, I don't know how much of last week was a fluke. I think that, again, the Josh Allen we saw last year is not the real Josh Allen. I think that this is a guy who, again, maybe it is. Maybe he's just a guy that struggles in stadiums with people. Like at the end of the day, maybe that's just who that guy is. So I don't think the Josh Allen we saw last year might be the real Josh Allen. Although I don't think it was also the Josh Allen of two years ago who could not hit the broadside of a barn at this point in time. So like, I think that that the real Josh Allen is somewhere in between and the bucks are still good, 
But again, I think the Bucks are also feasting upon the fact that that's just an assy division, and the NFC is kind of down this year, and it, and I, they're still missing pieces in the, in that secondary. They're not exactly. going to be healthy just yet. I mean, I, there's some things going up against the Bunks. They've been flying high as of late. They had the the four net four, you know, and in, in Indy there with pulling out that win. But other than that, mm-hmm. it was a close game. Um, I'm just not so sure that this Bucks team is where they want to be, obviously, uh, or where they probably need to be at this point. They beat up on a weak Atlanta Falcons team last week. So I've got the Bills having a bounce back game here. Trying I will to also, I think did we agree on everything here. No, I think I, I took the, the Falcons just because I hate you. So. Oh, I know. I took the Falcons, too, so don't worry. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so, welcome. You're about to lose every game this week. Um, probably. If you're, yeah, if you're picking in my favor. so well this season. Goodness. Good. Yeah, just down the toilet right there. Oh, just a mess. Up. What a mess. Oh. <laughs> oh, we haven't, we haven't started to discuss mess yet. There is oh, a mess. God. There is a mess, and it is also in southern Florida. It was the whole shitstorm debacle that was the you. And this weekend, um, I don't even know what to say besides the same thing we point out about franchises in the NFL is when you have leaks, that means there is something terribly wrong, but this is a whole new level. Here's okay. You here's got a the guy thing. Ready for in this? a building and you didn't fire him. You didn't tell him you're just throwing a line out there maybe seeing what you can catch is i is that it okay here's the here's the truth of this matter though ready for this i think this might be a situation now i am firmly on the record of saying i don't think the you will ever be the you again right no i think there are way too many things stacked up in uh, against them that are not in their favor that make it very difficult like i said when the you was the you Florida was not very good. That was pre-Spurrier. Yep. Florida State was still Bobby Bowden building. There was no UCF. <laughs> there was no USF. There was no FIU. There was no FAU. More importantly, there wasn't every single team going into South Florida and pulling talent out. So yeah. I'm on the record of saying I don't think the U will ever be the U again. But we also said – I also said before that the U had a lot of problems, that this was a school – that kind of low-key, or not even so low-key, hated its football program. Like, this is a school that constantly was like, yes, we have won national championships, and we were one of the most dominant programs for a long period of time. (laughs) But hear me out. What if we cancel football? Like, that was their big problem. So the U is, like, deeply, deeply just a mess on the inside. Ready for this, Tino? Ready for this? No. How many people do you think is on the University of Miami's board of trustees. I heard this a couple days ago. It blew my mind. How many people do you think is on the board of trustees at Miami? God, probably too many. I feel like that's the case for most schools. Yeah. I don't know. But like there are no, just like there are a number there. How many people do you think would end up on like, what's too many people on a board of trustees? What's too many people? Probably anything over, I don't know, about 16, 17. That's got to be entirely too many people. This ain't some movie, so... There's about 60 members of their board of trustees. 60? Six, zero. Yeah, about Jeez. 60 members of their board of trustees. So their board of trustees is a nightmare, right? Like, it's a nightmare 
of of just over like absurd absurd number people. of things like 60 people there's like 17 emeritus members there's no. it's a mess no. it's a total mess right but again this is a school that looks at it and it's like we don't actually like our football team right so the, remember the football team is the front door of the university it's why every time you're watching college football on Saturdays there's col- there's commercials for the colleges that are playing in front of you right oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's how you get you can parlay Alabama has been able to raise its standing as an institution over the last decade because on people football. want to come to Alabama because the football team's winning. So there are ways you can parlay that into success, but the U never wanted to since, and, and this is the other thing too, well, Butch Davis said as much back when Butch Davis was taking that team and getting them an inch bef- to the national championship before he left. And then Larry Coker gets him across the finish line. Butch Davis said as much. He said, this is a school that doesn't want, that has no interest in winning football games. That's yeah. ridiculous. It's one of the most talent rich areas in the country. So now here's the thing. That was a school that literally fucked around and found out, right? <laughs> like there is no reason that Miami should be seven and five. Not in that conference, not in that division, not in that state, not where you are, right? Not with your history. But you could be the one of the biggest draws in the area when you walk into a recruit's room, uh, living room. It should be all but a done deal. That brand means something, but that was a school that was like wildly indifferent to it, right? So now. Here's what I'll say this. We've said all this before. I've said all this. Like, the U is a wildly, wildly messed up program. They didn't particularly – like, they were talking constantly about, like, do we even support our football team? Who cares? Every coach who has come through there, including the most recent ones, including Mark Richt, including, you know, going back into the um, – uh, what's his name? The guy from Pe- – I can't remember his name now. Anyway, <laughs> they all said the same thing. This, te- this school doesn't give us any institu- – there's no institutional support for this football program. Now, Which is ridiculous. Here's why I think that's different now. Two things. They gave Mario Cristobal – he automatically became one of the richest coaches in the country. And again, remember, they are going against Phil Knight money. Yeah. So the fact that it was a little bit of mama's calling, right? <laughs> quite literally, by the way, that might have been it, it, quite literally, by the way, too, because his entire oh, yeah. family is still in Southern California or Southern Florida. His yep. mom is apparently sick and she's not doing well. And he's kind of been bouncing back and forth between Miami and Eugene anyway. Not a short flight. Yep. Not a short fight. Uh, and so ultimately, they might have something here, right? Like the you might honest to God have something here because this is, again, it's... I love pit football, right? Yeah. Okay. But it's a sign that when Pitt and Wake Forest are the two teams in the ACC championship game, that something's gone a little bit awry. Like, these are good programs. They're solid programs. You know, they're good enough to show up in the division championship game every now and then or whatever. But that shouldn't be your conference championship game if you're the ACC. The whole reason you put Miami and Florida State on opposite sides of the conference is because you wanted them to play every year for the cha- the championship game. Yeah, you should be looking at Miami, Florida State, Clemson. Clemson. Heck, even Louisville in there. You know, like these are teams with aspirations. And then where where was Miami this year? Seven and five. 
seven. Yeah, finished like fourth in the division. You're looking at five you know, and you're three hoping in division. That, Come on. You're hoping that and and they're five and three in the division, and they only get to five and three in the division because Tyler Van Dyke comes on at the end of the season as the ACC Rookie of the Year. Like his first start is Pitt, and they're able to beat Pitt in Pitt yep. in Pittsburgh because. He comes on and has this great second half of the season. Like they saved a seven and five. They they literally pulled a seven and five season out of the jaws of a three and nine season. Yeah. So like it's this might be they might like mm. here's the thing though. Miami has said now they're getting their house in order. The board of trustees basically kind of stepped back and like told the president, do what you need to do to hire Mario Cristobal. They gave him a ton of money. They told him that he has a, hun- a ton of money for assistance and yep. all of that kind of stuff. I mean, this to. might very well be. I mean, here's the thing. If you survey the the, leg- the landscape of college football right now, you have a couple of sleeping giants who, if they're not waking up, they sure as hell might be stirring. <laughs> you might have we're, – we're thinking Lincoln Riley is going to come in and turn Key USC into a top-notch or, or, uh, organization. Yep. We're thinking that Mario Cristobal can go back and make the U the U again, right? If the U can get out of their own way, this is a great hire. Great hire for them, for that football program to pump some new life back into that maybe. If they can stay out of their own way with it. There's a lot of ifs there because this is a rough, rough transition from one coach to another. Absolutely unprofessional. Not the way you want to do it. This is not the way you slip under the radar and steal Cristobal from Oregon. All credit, more importantly, all credit, all credit to Manny Diaz because Manny Diaz could have gone the way out and he could have just torched everything. But that was a guy who still has no reason. By the way, as a loyal alum, they have, he has no reason to show, they have showed him no loyalty. No, he could have torched every single thing about there. And I tell you what, I give Manny Diaz all the credit in the world because he walks out and on this way, knowing that he's like, okay, I'm going to go out and recruit. And Miami's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. No, no big deal. Yeah. And then like an hour later calls him back and like, yeah, you need to come back to Miami now <laughs> because we're going to fire you. And it's just like, whoa, whoa. Like they did only after they had only after they had Mario in the bag. Uh-huh. Like, like but just, is just, I absolutely insane. agree that it was just, it was, it was the least professional way. And by the way, like that's, an alum that is a guy who has been trying to do his best and you have hamstrung him a lot of the times too. Like, man, you guys did him so dirty, but here's the thing, Tino, if Mario is as good as we think he is, and I think he's a pretty good coach. That's not going to matter. I think this might actually be, I don't think they'll ever be the you again. And I think Mark got them real, real, real close. They won't be the you again. The real question is, what Mark Richt was basically the only coach who was able to do it. Richt was able to walk into those rooms filled with wealthy Miami alums and say, can I have some money? Pretty, pretty please. And they were like, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Mark Richt. Here you go. The only question is, can Mario go in and glad hand with the best of them? Cause he didn't have to do it at Nike or at, at Nike. Yeah. He didn't have to do it at <laughs> Nike university. It's he not had, wrong. That's a correct. You statement. had, you absolutely had Phil Knight just writing checks. What do you need? Mario, what do you need? You got it. Here's a check. Here's here's another million dollars from the Nike vault. Go ahead. Like, I, can I think, he actually get out there and get them to write checks? I think he can get out there and recruit. He's from the area. I think a lot of that's going to play in his favor. My biggest concern with him is going to be, can he develop a quarterback? Um, we saw what he did 
or maybe what he didn't do with Herbert and the leaps Herbert has made since he's gotten coaching. Um, so if that's something to expect as we continue to go forward, then he better be getting some talent on that football team if he's not going to continue that development and if he's going to want to win games. Um, to, to the same point, though, it is the ACC. We're not talking about the SEC here. So, uh, you know, going up against that division, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Duke, Pitt, you know. All right, maybe you don't need to continue to develop that quarterback to be the best in that division. But still a piece that you're going to want to have in place if you're wanting to really contend for playoff spots. So mm -hmm. throwing it out there. All right. We'll kick it over. I got to hey, get you. Can we talk about pit now? Can we yeah, talk about oh, pit God. now? Is it, is it, we have to, we're just jumping. We're just jumping straight over. Okay. Fine. Right, we'll no, no, like, I, I, we can set it up. No, 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 no. We're going to no, talk. Okay. We want to talk about the Heisman. We're, we can talk about the Heisman. No, no, we'll talk about the Heisman afterwards. Let's jump into no, no, some, we're, into we're some playoffs and some bowl games here. Let's, let's oh, just fine. jump right in. You okay. Because I was going to use the Heisman as Pitt. a way to talk about Pitt because I want to speak on something here. Oh, God. So, this is the best Pitt season in my entire life. <laughs> they have literally never been this good in my entire life. Pitt has never they won 11 peaked. games in my entire life. They have not won the conference outright ever. Pitt has never outright won their conference. Now, part of that is because Pitt did not join a conference until 1993. <laughs> they were one of those Northeastern independents for the longest time. Pitt's glory days came when they were an independent. This is, though, the best team I have seen in a long time. Yeah. Did Kenny Pickett absolutely wallpaper over some real severe cracks? Oh, oh God, yeah. yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. Winning Pitt is going to have to figure out how to do games. this. Thing. Yeah. Kenny Pickett is absolutely the reason that this team is 11-2 and two right now and ACC champions. But the for only. me, yeah. but for me, like, intellectually, I understand that Pat Narduzzi schematically is a defensive guy who has his style of defense and the coach from Western Michigan basically said, well, he literally runs the same schemes he ran five years ago. That's why we beat them. <laughs> so that's not a great thing. Mark Whipple, yeah. the offensive coordinator, one of the semifinalists for the Broyles award, the best assistant coach in the country resigned from Pitt yesterday. <laughs> and today was announced as the offensive coordinator of Nebraska. <laughs> this is a guy who has not coached either college, <laughs> high school, or professional football outside of the Eastern time zone. <laughs> and by the way, Nebraska is probably going to fire its head coach next season because he's not very good. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised he wasn't so, fired already. Your best player that you have seen arguably ever. Kenny Pickett set. Okay. Think about some of the records he set this year, right? Think about some of the records that Kenny Pickett set this year, Tino. He set the single-season ACC record for responsible touchdowns, beating out Deshaun Watson, Ooh. beating out Jameis Winston. Like, <laughs> these are really good quarterbacks, well, 30 for 30 and Kenny himself. Pickett now holds the record for most touchdowns in a single season in the ACC. He has broken every single one of Dan Marino's passing records at Pitt. He beat him for yep. total touchdowns, 
touchdowns in a game, touchdowns in a season, receive or passing yards, you name it. Kenny Pickett has broken all of Dan Marino's records. I want to revel in a couple of things very quickly. One, Kenny Pickett is arguably the second, maybe third best player Pitt has produced since I started watching Pitt football in the mid-90s. Wow, that's... um, And you're talking... You've got, well, mid-90s. So you got, what, Fitzgerald? You've got... Who else? He's in the top three... Aaron with Larry Donald. Fitzgerald and Aaron Donald. There you go. I mean, that's that's it. That's the top three. He's the first Heisman finalist since Larry Fitzgerald. Mm. I mean, Kenny Pickett was nothing short of a revelation this year. <laughs> and the fact that, like, and more importantly, again, he's also a very good guy. He's a guy that, you know, uses, he got NIL money, and he's done a lot of, like, charitable work with his NIL money. He takes his offense, he got an NIL deal with a restaurant in the city, and he takes his him. offensive lineman out to eat once a week. Like, this is a guy who I really want. Like, even if he goes to the Ravens next year or whatever, right, the organizations that I loathe, I will still (laughs) cheer for Kenny Pickett for the rest of my life because he gave me what I never thought I was going to see, honestly. I never thought I was going to see Pitt even be within shouting distance of honestly winning an ACC championship. Now, is that all well and great? It is. Do I know that Pitt is about to have some real bad times in the future? I mean, probably. Am I just going to enjoy it in the meantime right now? My God, I've already ordered a shirt and a sweatshirt. I'm so excited. You better order a couple. You're going to wear one out and just a whole lot. I'm I'm not even joking that I'm kicking the tires on like, you know, it's only 11 hours to drive to Atlanta. You get like an Airbnb for two days, get a couple of buddies. We go down Uh, there. We go to the Peach Bowl. The tickets aren't terribly expensive right now. We could do it. Tino, you want to go to the Peach Bowl? You'll want to go to the Peach Bowl with me, Tino. <laughs> Magic Johnson's going to be there. Is he going to be cheering for Michigan State? Yeah, who cares? Not important. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying it's it's going to be one of the few times ever that you'll have this opportunity. Go for it, man. Live the dream to its fullest extent because you're going to wake up in 2022 and then back to reality. You're going to And that, that schedule is not... You have Tennessee and West Virginia. Now, both of those teams are coming to Pittsburgh next year. But, man, Tennessee was uh, is going to get another year under Josh Heupel. They're going to be just yeah. a little bit better than last year. And, man, West Virginia really wants to win that game. My God, do they want to win the first backyard brawl in almost a decade? Oh, yeah, West Virginia really wants to win that game in a way that I'm not totally sure Pitt does. No, they won't. It's not going to be the same. I will say, though, with relevancy, maybe Pitt can garner a few more people of interest, a little bit more mm-hmm. higher quality candidate, bring him into the building. You're starting to build to turn this- you know, reputation a little bit. You had, you had Aaron Donald, you got Fitzgerald, now you have Pickett, you win the ACC. Not ideal way to do it. But I'm just saying, maybe it changes a couple here's, players' minds. Here's what I think. Time. and here's, here's what I will say in, in that regard, right? And here's what I will say when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mark Whipple leaving was somewhat of a fait accompli. Around Pittsburgh, everybody kind of knew that he had a kind of a foot out the door, and he was in the last year of his contract, and there was no movement by either side to renew his contract. So it's like everybody kind of knew Mark Whipple was leaving. And I think Pat Narduzzi already has his replacement on staff. Uh, Pitt brought in Brennan Marion, who was the head coach at Howard, uh, 
two years ago as receivers coach slash uh, assistant QB coach or whatever, right? Mostly receivers. And by the way, that's one of the things that made Pitt and Kenny Pickett much better this year. Jordan Addison is almost definitely going to win the Bolitnikoff. He's first team All-American. Like, and that's a really, good. really good football player. Like, yeah. Jordan Addison's the he's best receiver in the country this year. And so, Brennan Marion, a lot of people are crediting Brennan Marion with making that Pitt receiving core, who led the ACC in drops last year, as being like a revolutionary receiving core this year. Brennan Marion has the offensive ch- uh, chops already. He came out of kind of that uh, spread option, spread read system. Like you might already have your replacement for Mark Whipple on staff. And Brennan Marion, more importantly, is one of the best recruiters of the DMV in the country, like widely acknowledged to be one of the best recruiters of the DMV in the country. So I, I don't know. It's not all doom and gloom. It's not, no. it's not great, but. I mean, I'm fully prepared for this team to kind of go back to eight and four next year. They're going to go back to eight and four. I mean, Pickett took it took till his senior year to really get to this level. I'm not expecting someone to come in and just take over, even with a top flight wide receiver. It's going to be some hard times, but maybe you start to push the needle just ever so slightly to being a little bit more relevant than you have been uh, than you have been in in the past because yeah, of Pickett's Let's performance. Hope. So. Either so way, someone's going to overdraft him, and it's going to be fun. Comes to, when it comes to bowl game, uh, obviously, uh, can I throw a couple of bowl games at you? Oh, God. Can I throw a couple of bowl games that I'm looking there, forward to? There's today? there's some interesting bowl games going down. And outside of the playoffs, we got, you know, Bama versus Cincy, which, uh, you know, God bless you, Cincy. Uh, good luck. Uh, All right, here's the thing. <laughs> but, what Bama team are we going to see? Honest to God, what Bama team? Are we going to see Auburn? Does it matter? Or are we going to see SEC championship game? Yes, it absolutely matters. Because Cincinnati Mm. can beat Auburn Bama. They absolutely can beat Auburn Bama. That's not the one we're going to get. That is not the one we're going to get. You're giving Nick Saban a month to prepare? Yeah, no. Uh, I'm not so sure. I, 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 I lean towards Saban on that one. You're giving him a month to prepare. Like, no. This team always looks different once they hit that playoff that playoff push, I think they can they can push Cincinnati around just based on beefcakes alone. Just manhandle them and do what they want. That's going to be fine. I don't think I don't think Cincy's got a chance in this one. Mm, I'm going to give him a chance. I'm giving him a chance. I think what the spread is like 14 or something like that. Yeah, and that make feels a lot to me. 13 and a half, I think. That's yeah. played some pretty good defense. But again, we're going to see. I, th- I think it entirely depends on which Alabama comes out. And yeah, we'd say, oh, Saban's got a month to prepare. But so is Fickle. And Fickle's a pretty good coach in his own right. This he guy is. can call up a pretty good scheme. He is. And he's going to have to out-scheme Nick Saban with the Jimmys and the Joes that that Saban's got. So, Which aren't on the same level as he's had in previous years. But it <laughs> doesn't mean they're not some dudes. So just saying. I'm I'm excited for the Michigan Georgia game. I think it's a good this, test of wills right here. Okay, like it's going to be ugly. You're uh, you're going to see strength on strength on one side of the ball. Yep, but you're going to be see strength on weakness on the other. I think Kirby Smart, man, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? You have 14 stars of quarterback on the bench right now. Oh yeah, and you mean to tell me that you're trusting? walk on Stetson Bennett to be your quarterback who wins you get the hell out of here, man. You are going to lose this football game because you're dumb. This is Kirby smarts great on doing the guy can recruit 
to the nth degree. He can do all of these kinds of things. He's a good game manager, but my God, man, it's not 1997 anymore. <laughs> you cannot win football games by saying, I'm going to make the baddest defense in the land and have a quarterback who is just, man. my God, just don't mess up. Like, yeah. what are you doing, man? Don't you, lose the game. You brought JT Daniels from USC for the specific purpose of having a five-star quarterback that you just kept on the bench for the last six weeks. Which I don't, I didn't understand, like, I sort of get it, but not really. Like, I just don't understand it. You need to put the best guy out there now heading into the playoffs against a defense like Michigan with Aiden Hutchinson, Heisman candidate, out there chasing your quarterback around. I don't want a Stetson out there. I need as many stars as you can give me, as much talent as you can put in that position out there on the field going up against that. They need to make quick decisions, get rid of the ball, and don't screw it up. Um, Michigan, Michigan's offensive line, Michigan's offensive line against Georgia's defensive line is going to be a fascinating matchup, right? Oh, yeah. This is a gonna be really, a really – like this is a Michigan offensive line who in the last couple of games of the season – just started road grading teams, right? Hmm. Really, really fast. But this Georgia defensive line is as good as a defensive line as we have ever seen. I really think you're going to see strength on strength there. Something might give, who knows. But I think on the other side of that ball, you're going to see strength on weakness. I think that yeah. the Georgia offensive line is good, but their quarterback play is crap. They, and that's going to doom them. I think that's good. I'm going to take, I'll take Alabama and I'll take Michigan in these games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, again, we saw we we saw the curtain pulled back on Georgia, and I think it's about over for Stetson, unless Kirby gets gets smart and uh, starts putting in an actual Ew. quarterback. No, no, okay, whatever. Moving along, terrible, terrible. Whatever. Moving along, okay, all right. There's a couple other games out there though. Um, Fiesta so Bowl. Look, okay, so I'm I'm oh. looking at it right now. I'm not particularly interested in that Fiesta Bowl to be honest really? with you. Really? No, I think what? the good game. The good game, I think, is the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is going to be a fascinating team. Explosive, high-powered offense versus I'm going to bludgeon you to death with this brick I found in an alley. I want to see how these two teams match up. Because CJ Stroud, Stroud has never seen a defense as strong and as mean and as aggressive as Utah's. I just, I am... Deeply fast. And more importantly, it sounds by all accounts that Kyle Whittingham is, is going to be, <coughs> excuse me, is going to be retiring after this game. Mm-hmm. Man, you mean to tell me those Utes are not going to come out excited and try to win that man a football game for his last time? I, I just don't know, man. Ohio State is a big, physical, fast football team. Utah's played some good football this year, but boy, howdy, that is a, that is a big ask right there. You're going to say Utah. Do you think Utah's going to upset Ohio State? Do you want to call that now or you want me to let you linger and, and chew on that one a little bit? Yeah, later? I'll say it. I'm going to say it now. Oh. The same way they beat the hell out of Oregon is the same way they're going to beat the hell out of Ohio State. Uh, Oregon is a different team. Yes, I know Oregon beat Ohio State, but let's be honest. <laughs> Oregon and Ohio State are very different football teams. Their makeup is very different. I don't think this goes the same way. Oh, good Lord. But I'm Still, glad you said it. You know what? Go styles, with the Utes. You go with the Utes. Styles go make fights. It. I want to see what happens. <laughs> All right. What else you got? What, what else is the other game that you want to see out of this grouping? I mean, there's some bowl games in here. 
there's some interesting right, me, matchups. Let, but. let me try to. You want me, I'm going to try to sell you in a couple. Okay. Oh, I'm going to try to tell you, sell you in a couple. All right. Ready okay. for this? All right. All right. All right first one. December 31st, Tax Slayer Bowl, Wake Forest, <laughs> Texas A&M. Yeah. I saw that one. I saw so that I one on there. Here's a really This is a real interesting game. It is. Because we're going to find out is Sam, was the ACC championship game where Sam Hartman threw half as many picks basically as he's like thrown his entire career to this point in time. Yeah. And is A&M actually any good? Like is Jimbo actually getting this team anywhere or are they just kind of forever spinning their wheels? Is Wake Forest the measuring stick for that? Because if that's the case, then maybe you already have your answer. Because Wake Forest, again, it's a down year for the ACC, make no mistake about it, but this Wake team is also very good, right? Remember, that championship game was pointy as hell Yep. in the first quarter. Pitt basically figured something out about Wake going into that game after that. And Sam Hartman, like I said, Sam Hartman... He took some hits in that game. Oh, yeah. That, that, man, that kid was not expecting. And you could tell after he took a couple of real heavy sacks, that's when he started getting nervous in the pocket, started throwing bad passes, those kinds of things. But that's really only the first time that th- that's ever happened all season. They lost a shootout to North Carolina, and they lost a game to a Clemson that kept getting better as the season progressed. And then finally, a pit that kind of figured them out somewhat. I think this is a very good game to see. It, does Texas A&M have a defense is our first question. Does this team have a defense? <laughs> and do they have an offense? I mean, these are the two questions. What is Jimbo building in, in College Station is a very interesting question right now. It, it is. It's weird that Wake Forest is the measuring stick for this. It is. And yet. That's a right, that's ready, low-end go. measuring stick. I'm just throwing it <laughs> out there. Like, if, you, if you're the right, SEP, you. you're A&M, you're Jimbo Fisher – I hope this is not a close game, but it probably will be a very entertaining game one way or the other. All right. Uh, ready? Here we go. Second, next one for you. Next one for you. Ready? Yeah. All right. Can I sell you Tino on a bizarro world alternative universe two three playoff game? The Alamo bowl. Oh yeah. I'm Oklahoma, looking at Oklahoma, Oregon. I'm looking at it. That was the other game that I was interested in. That's the game I want to watch. You got a Bob Stoops, Bob. They pull, they pull the jersey down out of the rafters, and you got Bob Stoops coaching an Oklahoma team, and you've got an Oregon team that you're looking around and saying, "Just stay the course." Like these are two teams that not only are they very, very good college football teams, yeah, but their last timeout was Oklahoma losing to a rival in a rivalry game that denied them a spot in the playoffs, and Oregon getting bludgeoned by the same mm. team for the second time in three weeks. Yep. I am curious as hell to see who actually comes out ready to play this game. Which versions because these of two each teams? Because exactly. I don't know. Oklahoma is a young football team, too. They just lost their, their head coach. Oregon also just lost their head coach. Like you said, bludgeoned by the same team. Just Had some ups. Beat the nice hell ups, out of them. And then they just fell apart. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am so intrigued because I think it's just going to be fast, chaotic football. Like, no sense of purpose besides damage and delivering blows. Like, that is what I think we're going to see. Now, how sloppy is it going to be? I have no idea, and that's why I'd be tuning into that game just to see. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, you know, you lost a you lost a head coach, so 
play football. <laughs> Good luck. All right, here we go. I got a couple more for you. I got a couple right, more for you. All right. Ready? Sorry. All right, here we go. Can I sell you? Can I interest you, Tino, on December 27th in the Quick Lane Bowl? <laughs> Western Michigan? Western Michigan and Nevada, right? So this is a really interesting uh, game in the sense that, again, Western Michigan, <laughs> very good offense. Very, very good offense, right? Oh. Nevada, also a very good, very skilled team, but whose head coach just left to go to a conference rival. <laughs> yeah. Mike Norvell, or Jay Norvell just literally leaves to go from Nevada to Colorado State. Yeah. So two really yeah. good offenses, but like both of these teams with a little bit of something to prove. This could get real pointsy and be entertaining as hell in a hurry. And by the way, you might also have mm-hmm. like a dark horse Really good quarterback coming out of college still in uh, Carson Strong. Nope. I'm not buying this game. I am letting this one go. This one's probably not making the television set. It is a app-only update on that game, sir. There's okay. not enough okay. interesting. Okay. Not enough That's interesting okay. in that game. No I got way. a couple others. Hold on. I all got right. a couple others. Okay. All right. For some reason, we're putting all of these games in Texas. I don't know. The Frisco Bowl. We've I got don't a know. lot where of is Frisco. Where is Frisco? I have Dallas no idea where that even North, is. North of oh, Dallas. Okay. North of Dallas. Okay. So the Frisco Bowl, December 21st. Tino, can I interest you in a University of Texas at San Antonio Roadrunners versus the San Diego State University Aztecs? Beat, beat, motherfuckers. Meep, yep. Meet, meet, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. All right. This is a really good story. Okay, UTSA. Yes, this best is an season, exciting game. Win Conference USA. Like, yep. they are having the best season in the world. And San Diego State has the punt god. <laughs> San Diego State has turned their punter, Matt Areza, into an honest-to-God weapon. <laughs> And props to them for it. I think th- this is just an exciting game because I think it's just what we want to see, right? It's a massive clash of styles. It massive is. Massive clash it of is. styles. But it's going to tell us exactly where UTSA is heading. Are they able to adapt to now a different style of football and maybe start to make that next step? Is this truly a transition or is this a flash in the pan for them? Uh, one season, 12 and one. Yes, was cool. It was great. But it was just this one time. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions, and that's what I like about UTSA versus that San Diego State game. I would absolutely tune in to watch that one. And it's December 21st. What the hell else am I supposed to do on December 21st? Probably watch that game. That's about the only thing I can think of. That's why I love early bowl season. They're just absolutely fantastic. All right, can I have one more? One more for you, Tina. Ready? Unamas. December 18th. So the second day of bowl games, December 18th. Coming to you live from Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Can I interest you in a BYU UAB Independence Bowl? Uh, probably. Prob maybe. Prob I. Mm, I want to see what B- BYU does here. I want to see what BYU does. So probably because here's. Here's where I think this is a very interesting game, right? You've got two programs that could not be more different if they absolutely tried. BYU has attempted to do, you know, they've tried to do their own little Mormon Notre Dame thing. They they yep. went independent for a while. They're going into the Big 12. UAB, meanwhile, had some like 
honest to God skullduggery go on in Alabama that got their football program canceled. <laughs> Alumni support brought it back. They got a brand new stadium built on campus. And both of these coaches, Bill Clark at UAB and Kalani Sataki at uh, U, uh, BYU, are like inch perfect fits for these programs. Like everybody was saying BYU is going to take a step back next year because Zach Wilson's gone and he was the one really making that program. And no, was they he, didn't. Was he making that Apparently, program? Let's, so this well, I think, uh, yeah. this BYU team is in the same way that every BYU team is a mean, nasty, aggressive defense. It's also a really good offense. And this and UAB team, you know, they were bludgeoned a couple of times. Georgia came in and just absolutely kicked the hell out of this team, right? But this is also a UAB team that has got depth. They've got a ton of experience. They were allowed, basically, because they were backfilling their roster. They're now in the fourth year of this. They were allowed to bring in more JUCOs and overstock players and do all these kinds of things so that it is a really senior-heavy laden team at this point in time. It is. So, I mean, this is a deep, experienced UAB team. Like, this, I think, is going to be a really good game. But that is a, an established BYU program with, again, an offense that can just put some points up if if they want to. We'll see. But I am intrigued by that game. I thought that game was going to be an interesting one just to see how those two teams face each other. It is a clash of styles, and you're going to see it play out real fast. Okay, I'm going to throw a couple more at you. We don't need to a couple need more. discuss these. But all right. I, we don't need to talk about it. I just want to throw right. a couple games at you for the, for, the, for the benefit of the listener. All right, listener, if you're listening <laughs> to this, put a couple of pins in a couple of these games that you might want to tune into because they'll be there. December 17th, the Cure Bowl. Uh, MAC champion Northern Illinois against a very good Coastal Carolina team. That's mm. going to be a really interesting game. How about a December 18th, New Orleans Bowl, Marshall and Louisiana Lafayette. That is going to be, I think, a really, really interesting game. We're going to see how Louisiana responds to Billy Napier going to Florida. Oh, yeah. How about, can I interest you in a Gasparilla Bowl, December 23rd in Tampa, Florida yeah. versus Baby Florida? Oh, yeah. You got Florida versus UCF. UCF is always, always, always dying to take on one of the big three. This could be a this could be one oh. of those games where Florida transitioning to a new coach Baby's just kind of comes so out and anymore. says, like, who cares? And yep. UCF just kicks them in the teeth. That could be an absolutely, absolutely fascinating game. The Birmingham Bowl, December 28th, Houston Auburn. Again, like Auburn has game. been one of the most schizophrenic programs all season long. Houston lost the first week of the season and then did not lose again until the the American Championship game. <laughs> that is a really, really Their interesting last team. Week. Uh, the Holiday Bowl, UCLA and NC State. Again, That's the one I want to watch, too. What is Chip doing in Los Angeles is a really interesting question. That's Dave the one Doran, I want to see. Hmm. Dave Doran had this NC State team within a hair's breadth of going to the ACC Championship game. That's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, maybe a little bit of the cheese at bowl, like nine and three Clemson going against an an underachieving nine and three Clemson going against a way underachieving seven and five Iowa State. I think that is kind of a fascinating game. Duke's Mayo Bowl, just because man, <laughs> you put North Carolina and South Carolina in the same place, and goofy things are going to happen. <laughs> Both six and six teams. I mean, no idea what to expect in that one. I just am just looking at that, going, "Wow, this is going to be just a hilarious thing." And might I interest anybody if they're kind of, you know, a sicko like I am. January 1st, the Outback Bowl, Penn State versus Arkansas. <laughs> hey, Tino, do you want to see a dead body? <laughs> you think there's going to be a dead body on that field? 
I think oh, that, God, I yes. think there's going to be two of them. It is both Penn State and it, it's going to be Arkansas as well. That is going to be oh, a my God. shit no, game. Arkansas, Arkansas uh, is a wampin'. They love to womp and they're going to womp that ass. Dino, <laughs> conversely, do you know what game I have absolutely no goddamn desire to watch? Uh, Iowa, <laughs> Kentucky. Oh, shoot me in the head. I have no desire to watch that game whatsoever. I don't know who decided that game because that was, oh, oh my God. That is brutal. <laughs> Either way, people, it's bowl season. So there's plenty of football to watch throughout the month of December and into January. I love, I love it. it. I love it so much. There's gonna it's be like my chaos. normal Saturday just stretched out over an entire month. It's so <laughs> wonderful. It's just chaos. Absolute chaos. All right, before we wrap up, I got to get you. Who would you pick to win the Heisman? Would you go with would, would you go with your homeboy, Kenny Pickett, as we've been saying all season long? Kenny Pickett for Heisman. Um, is that your Heisman favorite? Obviously, it's probably going to be Bryce Young, the quarterback for Bama. Whatever. I'm over it. I don't know if I don't know if he's my guy, but who who would be your guy? Who would you like to see? Win? I mean, obviously I have, I really have an emotional investment in, in watching and seeing Kenny Pickett succeed. And again, like I said, I, the guy could go to the Browns next year and I'd still cheer for him. Like I, I will still be a Kenny Pickett fan, no matter what. Now here's what I will say. And I will say this. I think the, the odds, quite literally the odds on favorite is Bryce Young at this oh, point in time. Heavily. Bryce Young had an, for as bad as he looked in the Auburn game, he looked even better, and then some in the SEC championship game. Yeah, uh, I think the interesting, the kind of wild card here, I suppose, is actually not so much Kenny Pickett. It's more C.J. Stroud. I think that C.J. Stroud really hurt himself in that Michigan game because he just kind of, by his standards, I suppose we could say, looked pedestrian at times this season, and especially in that Michigan game, he, he just did not look like he was coming together. Now, here's what I will say. As we've been previously saying, this Alabama team, number one seed going into the playoffs, great team. Yep. Bryce Young plays a great game in the SEC championship game. But if this Alabama team doesn't have Bryce Young, there's a pretty decent chance they're most likely still at least in the SEC championship game. Yeah, they might have another loss in there somewhere. Maybe they end up dropping the Iron Bowl, or maybe they get caught by somebody else like an Arkansas or somebody else along the way. Yeah. But, but this is still probably only a maybe two very most three loss Alabama team at the very most without Bryce Young. Without him, yeah. That still probably wins the SEC West. That still does all this kind of stuff. Nick Saban has built a juggernaut. Behind Bryce Young, there's a bevy of five star recruits ready to take the place. Yeah. It's a machine at this point in time. It's it's that's my that that is my exact argument for not giving Bryce Young. It's you kind of, take Kenny, kind of like the MVP, right? It's kind of like the MVP. Take, Who's the actual exactly. most valuable player to that franchise who's been the best and needed to be the best for that team to succeed you take kenny pickett mm. off this pit team they lose almost guarantee you lose to <laughs> tennessee i guarantee you they lose to north carolina and i guarantee you they lose uh, that game to virginia you take kenny pickett off this team and an 11 and 2 acc champion team turns into a 7 and 5 every other year it, you mean they're not putting I 77 points this, up on new hampshire at that you know, i have like. seen this fish before <laughs> i have seen a football team. again understand that i have seen some pedestrian ass quarterback play come from the university of pittsburgh i think that the intellectual part of me looks at this thing and says 
you know it's got to be Bryce Young. He had the best season, all of these different kinds of things. But the other part of me that looks at it from the perspective of saying, this is an MVP, this is all this kind of stuff, this is the player who absolutely was the best and made the most of their team, it's absolutely Kenny Pickett at that point in time. So I think this is a really interesting question. When you're looking at these four finalists, Mm -hmm. listen, I like Hutchinson. I thought that was like, I like seeing defensive players. Again, I will always be the guy that thought Ndamukong Sue should have won the Heisman the year he was finalist. Absolutely. Manti Teo Teo was phenomenal that year at Notre Dame. Um, There have been snubs of defensive players along the way, but you take Hutchinson off that he's not even the best defensive player in the country, which is as weird as it sounds, right? (laughs) It's Like there's better defensive players this year. It was, I wanted to see him in it at least because I think there needs to be more representation from a defensive standpoint. It can't just be a quarterback award, which is what it's turned into over the past however many years, which is, which just drives me nuts, right? Unless you get something like out of nowhere, unnatural progression, which was Kenny Pickett this season. The stats mm-hmm. that he put up the things that he was able to do with that football team. Cause like you said, next year you take Kenny Pickett off that team. Who are they? We're going to find out real fast where if you pull, you know, Aiden Hutchinson off of it, if you pull CJ Stroud out of Ohio state, they got another recruit back there. I'm sure if you pull Bryce they young out of lost, Bama. They'll they just, just put another one a in five-star recruit who wasn't even supposed to be at Ohio state yet. Yeah. Like, so. here's the thing about these things. Like, I, th- I, I think the interesting one, again, the one that I am a little bummed out that I think you could have probably left CJ Stroud at home. And I think that you probably should have brought Kenneth Walker III from Michigan absolutely. State. The guy was a machine Biggest this year. Stuff. He would not be stopped. I absolutely thought that it was a travesty that he was not there. So it's like, if I'm looking at these four players and I'm looking at the parameters that you've given me, yeah, the emotional part of me, of course, wants Kenny Pickett to win. The intellectual part of me said, yeah, I get it. They're probably going to give it to Bryce Young because in just terms yep. of a raw data number, his numbers were a little bit better. But man, I just think when you look at it that there's a reason Kenny Pickett's the first Heisman finalist from Pitt <laughs> in almost 20 years. This is peak. It's, there's a reason that he's right the here. first time that a Pitt quarterback has been a Heisman finalist in almost 40 years. Like, <laughs> I think this is when we need to kind of start talking about yep. these bigger programs sometimes and start looking at this second tier programs and say, yeah, your Bryce Young is great. CJ Stroud is great. These guys are great players. Take them off that team. And what does that team become? Take them off that team and put them on literally any other team. Mm-hmm. And what happens to them? You yep. watch Jalen Hurts go from Alabama to Oklahoma and not miss a step. Oh, no. So I think this is a very interesting sure. question. Like I think that the Heisman, not only do I think that the Heisman should be looking at defensive players a little bit more, but I think they also need to be looking at this kind of second and third tier tranche of schools a little bit more. We know that the best of the best of the best are going to put up numbers because Trevor Lawrence is a once in a generation quarterback who's surrounded by three and four and five star talent. Bryce Young is a really good quarterback surrounded by four and five star talent. God money. They ain't even getting three stars at Bama, man. It's just four and fives all around you. Yeah. But when you're looking you're at this kind of second and third. Well. And so, yeah. When you're looking at this second and third tier tranche of programs, those are the ones that I think become more interesting. Who those elevates their program, right? Who exactly. is pushing everyone else around them to another level, not just maintaining the status of 
what you've already got. Like, yeah, generational talent. Absolutely. You just watch Trevor Lawrence and you know, like you're like, that dude's just different. Like, yeah, he's the best player. No problem. No questions asked. Lamar Jackson, that year that he had when he won it, you're like, yep, it's just a damn good football player. Kenny Pickett this year, you just go, yep, damn, that's just a good football player. And the progression that he took from last year to this year, leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely leaps and bounds. I'd love to see it. I like that Aiden was included in the conversation. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win it uh, by any means. It's going to be Bryce, which is unfortunate. I think Kenneth Walker, big snub here. I didn't understand Mm -hmm. leaving him off the list. He was dominant all year long. And I like a little parody, right? In that in that space where it's not just looking at three quarterbacks and whoever else you decide to lump in there, eh, throw a quarterback, I mean, a running back. We're even where I mean, even receiver, in the, in the, defensive player, in the realm of in the realm of quarterback. I mean, if you're talking about again this kind of most valuable player, I mean, you could make a really good case for that, like a Matt Corral at that point in time. Yep. Like, where's Ole Miss without Matt Corral this season? Uh, no. So I think this is, you know, and I think, like I said, I think we're gonna find out. But one last thing, Peter. one one Uh-oh. very very last thing. I'm scared. I want to do one more pick for you. Oh, God. Before the Heisman Trophy presentation, Army-Navy. Army, seven and a half. What do you got? Uh, I'll take Army. I think that take Army? I, I think that do you want to take Army with the points? <laughs> to make it fair, yeah. I'll take Army with the points. You're going to take Army with the points? I'm going to take... I am going to take Navy to cover. <laughs> oh, shit. No shit. I will take Navy to cover. Understand that this okay. is not a good Navy team this year. No. There's a lot of things going on there. You very well may be seeing Ken Niamatololo on his way out. Am I really proud of the fact that it took me a very long time to pronounce <laughs> Ken Niamatololo and I can do it now? Yes, I am of both of those things. But you very well may, I mean, Navy is in total disarray, but again... It's the only college football game in the entire schedule where both teams will tell you completely divorced of irony, completely divorced of any kind of faux seriousness. These two teams are 100% honest when they say, we could go 1-11. and 11. But, if, but that... if we beat Navy, or if we <laughs> beat Army with that one, it's all worth it. Successful season at that point. That is what you're doing so, for every you single You will week. watch these guys. These guys care more about this game than they will care about any game throughout the course of the year. Navy is not particularly good this year. Like I said, Mia Matalolo might be on his way out. I mean, there was the whole thing where he literally had to fire an offensive or the, the AD fired his offensive coordinator <laughs> only for him to turn around and be like, you need to rehire my offensive coordinator. It's a mess. Navy might be under some like conference affiliation might not work out for navy in the long run with the american this might be a whole thing but army navy is just a different game and if you throw in some weather you throw in philadelphia you throw all of these things into the mix i like army to win but i like navy to cover here it i can a, very easily it's gonna see be this a game fight three or four points no questions it's gonna be a fight you know what i'll give you the points whatever it doesn't even matter it's going to be a fun game to watch. <laughs> How many points do you want? 12, 15, 20? Is there going to be that many points scored? Absolutely. I, I'm <laughs> saying you might very well not see 20 points scored in this whole game, so who knows? 
I don't know. But either way, it's entertaining. I like bowl season. Bowl season is when it's when it's fun. Strange things happen. It'll just turn into the NFL at this point, which, you know, we've seen how that's No, it'll going. never be that bad. It'll never be that bad. <laughs> Fair enough. Whatever. <laughs> Something to watch. Something to watch in December as the NFL starts to sort of wind down with whatever this season is. But we'll talk more about that once we get to next week because we'll have some time to, to really digest some of this, some of these NFL matchups that are coming up. And man, do we got a we got a lot to wait for until next college football season with some of these head coaches. So it'll really just be about recruiting classes. Up oh until God, that point. we didn't even we didn't even talk about the fact that there are still some like massive job openings. That Brent Venables, the longtime DC yep. at Clemson, just went to Oklahoma. That Tony Elliott, the OC at Clemson, is kicking the tires on some other jobs. Like, oh boy, is Debo a little worried? The the AD. The AD, Dan Radakovich, is leaving Clemson to go oh, yeah. to Miami. Like, is Clemson worried? Clemson might be a little worried all of a sudden. Well, it's not Clemson's uh, division God, anymore. So much to talk about. So, I could talk yep. about this stuff all day. I just could. Well, next week is another day. So, well, there we'll, we go. Exactly. We'll, we'll put it there. We'll put it there. <laughs> well, that's it, folks. We appreciate you stopping by yet again, wasting some time with us, uh, wasting some time with, uh, with Guest here and his ridiculousness. I am ridiculous. I can't deny it. I am ridiculous. Don't forget to follow us on the Twitterverse at the unrequested or email us at the unrequested PC at gmail.com. Share your thoughts. Share your your ridiculous takes or you know, your opinion on our ridiculous takes and other wants and desires that you'd like. Uh, doesn't mean we'll get it, but whatever. Don't forget to tell your friends about us. Uh, hit that subscribe button on our podcast. We try to do this pretty much every week. We may miss one or two weeks here and there. Forgive us. We're humans. We have lives. Other things that are going on. Uh, review us. Tell us where you think we're right. Where we think. Where you think we are wrong. Which is for me lately a lot. Uh, and we'll talk at you next week. Kenny Pickett Friesman. Kenny Pickett Friesman. Kenny Pickett Friesman. <laughs> Speaking of new existence, you know Kenny Pickett Friesman. I miss him already. He's talking about not playing the bowl game. It makes me so sad. Whatever. I get it.